you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. standing on his word you ought to just give him honor tonight come on let's take a moment and just magnify the name of the Lord doesn't matter what you're facing right now what matters is that the king is in the room tonight oh come on let's praise him let's honor him let's worship him oh we worship you God oh our heart cries worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 What a great, powerful presence of the Lord that I feel and sense in this room tonight. I believe God has shown up tonight to strengthen somebody. He is the lifter of your head. He is the peace that calms the sea. He is the strength in the midst of your weakness. Whatever you need tonight, when you speak the name of Jesus, you've spoken the answer. Aren't you glad you know him tonight? Aren't you glad you know him tonight? My, my, my. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 16, while you're preparing To turn there, I just want to say how grateful I am for all of you, particularly all the leadership and labors and workers and volunteers that make this church what it is. Friday night, if you were here for our first family night, what a great meal that was prepared and wonderful fellowship. If you were here, why don't you just thank all the folks that work behind the scenes, setting up, cleaning up, putting things together, cooking, preparing, leading. It was a wonderful night, and if you're not connected, we want to get you connected. There's a place for everybody in the kingdom of God. If you're not in a Bible study, 
You ought to get connected to a Bible study. You ought to see Brother Jeremy and get connected in a one-on-one Bible study. If you're new around here and you'd like to know more about God or know more about the church, know more about the Bible, you need to see Brother Jeremy and you need to get connected into a one-on-one Bible study. Let's see what the Word of God will speak into your life. How many of you know strong churches are built through Bible teaching and strong people and strong families are built through Bible teaching? Amen. Judges chapter 16, and I'm going to read lengthily tonight. You've been standing. I thank you for your worship tonight. Judges chapter 16 and verse number 18, I will read quickly. Judges chapter 16, verse number 18. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her, came unto her, and brought money in her hand, in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines, be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. And he said, I will go out as at other times before. Shake myself, and he wits not that the Lord was departed from him. The Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass And he did grind in the prison house. Albeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their God for They said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that, led him by the hand, suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And There were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, And strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of these Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took a hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one in his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, and he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell 
upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the deed which he, so the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. I know that was a lengthy reading tonight, but I needed the whole story to settle into your heart because I am going to just kind of skim through this story and the message I want to preach tonight. And by the help of the Lord, I'll try not to be too lengthy. You've been so kind to be here, many of you in both services today. But I want to leave time for us to be able to respond in the altar and see what God wants to do at the conclusion of service tonight. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach from this subject tonight. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Lord, we need your help tonight. I need your help tonight. I stand in need of the anointing. I need the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Let every distraction leave my mind tonight. Let every thought that is unlike you leave my mind tonight. Lord, every human spirit be cast down that the Spirit of God may increase in this house. We came tonight, Lord, to seek you and to reach to you. And let that hungry heart, that hungry life, that hungry soul tonight that reaches toward heaven find, Lord, that what he is looking for tonight. And we honor you and give you praise. God, I'm asking you tonight, if you do nothing else in this house, Lord, one more time, would you do it again in this house? Let the blind see, let the miracles be, be performed in our midst tonight. And we thank you for it and honor you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I know without a doubt that I felt the inspiration of the Holy Ghost this week in my study and preparation for both this morning and tonight. And I feel an urgency and what I'm preaching tonight by amazement to me, and I shouldn't be amazed when God does some very unique things. This evening, about 5 o'clock, my phone rang, and Gentry had called me, and he is preaching in Indianapolis this evening. And when he called me, he called me, and he said, Dad, what are you preaching tonight? And I said, well, I'm preaching from 2 Samuel. Um, and I began to share with him, and he said, stop right there. And he started telling me what he was preaching. And to my amazement, there was a complete, there was a complete uh, parallel to um, the thought processes in which God had inspired him to preach, in which God had given me to preach. And the messages both were almost completed and, and finalized. And then at the beginning of service, Dylan walked in tonight and spoke to me some things that he felt that the Lord had spoken to him absolutely in complete alignment with what I believe the Lord is wanting to do in this church. I want to begin this message tonight by declaring unto you, we need a do-it-again revival. I'm going to say it one more time. We need a do-it-again revival where the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the dead are raised to life again. Come on, somebody needs to hear me tonight. We need to get, we need to get down to business with God and declare we're going to have a do-it-again revival. 
the life of Samson was rather unique in that he was a Nazarite, a Nazarene, and he had taken the Nazarite vow. Samson was a mighty man, a great warrior. Samson was feared by the Philistines because of the great victories that he had won by the power and the hand of the Lord. Samson killed thousands and he slayed men with donkey's jawbones by the hand of the Lord. Samson ate honey out of a carcass of a lion that he may have killed with his own bare hands. Samson caught 300 foxes, tied them together, and sent them out across grain fields and, and burned up the grain fields of the Philistines. He he took the gates of the city in his hand after a great failure in his life, yet he walked by the power and unction of the Lord with the gates and pillars of the city in his hand. But Samson flirted one too many times and ended up with his head in the enemy's lap. Samson said, in, in the middle of his fall, Samson said, I will arise like I have in times before and I will shake myself and go out and I will once again destroy the Philistines. But without the power and strength of God, Samson ended up with his eyes poked out, grinding at the mill like an oxen in the prison. Samson became the sport of the Philistines, he, they, they mocked him. They made fun of him as he ground at the mill. But Samson never forgot what it was like to feel the unction of God's Spirit. Samson never forgot what it was like when God moved upon him in a special powerful and mighty way. Samson remembered what it was like. He remembered when the Spirit of God came upon him and gave him strength that was beyond human reasoning to where one man could defy an entire army. And then at that moment in the middle of his blindness and his weakness and his frailty, as he is being mocked, as he is being ridiculed, as he is made sport of, Samson begged to go to the pillars of the house. And the Bible said that there as he made his way to that the, the, the pillars of that house, Samson prayed. And at that point when Samson began to pray, Samson asked God, God, if you can just do it one more time time. God, if you can give me strength one more time. CLC, I'm coming to you tonight and declaring we need some people of God to get down to business with prayer and begin to say, God, would you send revival one more time? Would you send strength one more time? Would you send healing one more time? Is there anybody in this room that feels like we need a do-it-again revival? 
I want to see and hear of revivals like times before that is sweeping through the land. I grew up hearing stories of revivals that closed down bar rooms and pool halls and liquor stores where the people came and they came from, from, from backgrounds that no one ever believed. Oh, I know we're seeing God do some mighty things, but I am believing that there ought to be a do-it-again revival where some of the things that some of you have heard your grandparents and your parents talk about that that comes back to fruition in the modern day. The modern day revival ought to look like a do-it-again God revival. The church as a whole needs true revival. We need a Holy Ghost revival to light the fires of passion once again. The word revival suggests bringing of a dead body back to life again. But I come tonight to submit to you that you don't have to be dead to need revival because revival also speaks of restoration of things that are lost. I would like to see a revival of conviction that smites the heart of people that walk into this building that causes them to literally run to the altar like I heard my dad preach about, like I heard some of our elders preach about where conviction sets in the heart of men and women and they walk away from an old life and into a new life. Real personal revival is not on the radar of of the majority majority of people in the church world today. Modern church has changed so much. It has become caught up with the blessings of God and the prophecies associated with the here and the now and, and, and consider that, that, that everything that is happening is about finances being blessed and families being blessed. We don't talk about sacrifice. We don't talk about we don't talk about the blood. We don't talk about conviction We don't talk about getting down and praying the night through. We don't talk about earnest prayer. We don't talk, no, no, no. That's for a season, a time ago. But I come to you tonight and tell you I'm asking for God to take the modern church back to the place where we were and let us have a do it again revival. We've been challenged by mandate from God to rebuild the altars of prayer and worship. We need the revival fires to burn again. We're so blessed today. As I began to stood on the side tonight and started to walk to this pulpit, Brother Kevin made a statement to me. And he began to call the names of all of our great singers on this platform and all of our great musicians on this platform. And it's something when a church has one person that is very gifted and talented and that one person's able to sing and that one person's able to play. But when we come into the house of the Lord and we hear what we heard tonight and felt what we felt tonight and we could hand a microphone to a plethora of people that could get up here and be able to sing a mighty powerfully and anointed 
song. We are so blessed. It's not just here. It is abroad. Talent like we've never seen. Oratory like we've never seen. Musical ability like we've never seen. Programs like we've never seen. Oh, we have become so accustomed to it and used to it that if the church seems to fail one time, let one little glitch happen and it seems to throw everything in the church off. Our services are thrown off. If the sound isn't just right, then we can't really worship tonight. If the music misses it just one little lick, then we all notice it and we're affected by it. Oh, God, bring us back to a to a revival that is birthed out of prayer that we don't have to rely on lights and smoke we don't have to rely on music and singing but we can rely on a divine move of the Holy Ghost that convicts the heart of men and changes their life oh do it again God complained we complain about the Ten Commandments moved out of courtrooms and the Bible moved out of and prayer moved out of schoolrooms but yet we need revival to burn in our homes in the life of every individual every person that calls themselves a Christian <laughs> revival is the solution for the world's condition. But I have to come tonight and ask you a question. Do you really want revival? Do you want God to move once again on our behalf? Ah, pain and need is in the hearts of so many people in this generation but it is diminished by our quest for entertainment and involvement and personal gain. I echo the words of my wife in a message that she preached in this pulpit some time ago. There is an enemy on the loose, she said. She said he masquerades in accomplishment and achievement. His name is overactivity and he's robbing our homes, our families, and our churches of time. No time to pray. No time for personal devotion. No time for church, Annette, you're right. No time for a real apostolic do-it-again revival. It's far too costly. It's far too expensive. It cost us way too much. Can I present to this church tonight that we need to do more than a simple 21 or 40-day fast in January and February. But what we're trying to do is create a culture that will begin to change the entire region of north central Indiana not just a one time event when we're praying and fasting our worship is through the roof that's wonderful we have powerful moves of God we see miracles, signs and wonders happen and that's amazing it's incredible I'm not preaching against it but what we are doing is we are changing atmosphere. But there is a difference between atmosphere and culture. Atmosphere is what happens in the room in the moment. You can clap and worship and raise your voice. You can go through a season of fasting and come and it's easy to have a big response. That's called atmosphere. But culture is when we create consistent prayer and consistent fasting 
and consistent worship to where every time we enter the doors of this room, we understand I am not waiting on somebody else. I'm going to create the atmosphere myself so that God can do it again in the middle of March or April or May or June or August or October. I want a do-it-again move of God. As of late, I've noticed that my preaching has been attempting to posture us toward desperation for our only hope. That hope is that we would all be renewed and restored and revived. Oh God, we need you to do it again. Revival is something that God orchestrates when the body of Christ shows signs of desire. This is what I mean by show signs of desire for revival. Our generation has everything handed to them. And our expectation is not much different in regards to God. We have reached a point where we can come to service and we expect the music to be on point and the atmosphere of the church to be on point and the volume to be right and the air conditioner or heat to be just right and the pews to be perfectly adjusted and the songs to be wonderful and the beautiful voices to sing and it lifts our heart and we expect the preacher to bring a profound word that might touch our heart or life. There may be a tear shed here or there. There may be a little patty cake once in a while. There may be a little response and we go home and say, my, think about my church, how blessed I am. But I'm not sure that we are 100% pleasing God with everything in the church being about what we enjoy and about what we we like and about what makes us feel comfortable. I'm calling the church tonight to a place of dedication of prayer, consistent prayer, consistent worship, consistent sacrifice that moves heaven and moves earth, that creates an atmosphere every time we walk in the doors of this building. We've got to get out of a mentality that it's Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. We've got to walk into the doors of this this building and say this is the day the Lord has made. You don't know what your brother or sister's going through. You don't know who may walk in the doors. That today is their hope. Today is their only chance. Come on God do it again. It's Wednesday night but do it again. It's Sunday night but do it again. Oh let's give God praise right now. If we're not careful, we reach the point of wanting God to hand us everything. I'm not going to put too much effort in it. If the preacher's a good enough preacher, it'll happen because of him, not because of my worship. If we'll bring in the right evangelist, they'll sing the right song, there'll be a move of God. If they'll get the volume just right, there'll be a move of God. But I beg to differ with you, that's not a move of God, that's a move of emotion. 
You want a move of God? You can't orchestrate it. Talent won't bring it down. But a divine move of God has to be prayed down, sacrificed down, worshiped down. God is asking the church tonight, show me how much you want revival. Are you willing to reach for it? Are you willing to pray for it? Are you willing to sacrifice for it? Are you willing to pursue it with everything you have? Are you desperate for it? Are you you seeking a fresh touch from the Lord? Are you really hungry for a move of God? If we're going to have that kind of move of God, then we have to be hungry and willing to pray for a fresh touch of God. Dylan said it right tonight when he walked to this podium and said, we can't look back. I'm not preaching a look back and repeat what we've experienced in the past. I'm talking about us getting to the point of desperation that when some of our elders, the reason that they saw the things that they saw because they didn't have anything else to depend on. Can I meddle a little bit? Some of us depend on modern medicine and then we'll, we'll consult God on the side. But some of our elders didn't have that option. They, they had to trust God. Some of us rely on our talent, on our giftings, on our ability, on our technology, on all the good people we have around us, uh, on our brothers and sisters, but we don't take any personal responsibility. My dad used to say, I've read it before, I don't know who was the first to coin it, but he used to say, if everybody in the church was just like me, what kind of church would this church be? I come tonight to ask you, if everybody prayed like you, what would the prayer life of this church look like? If everybody worshipped like you, what kind of environment would we have in our services? If everybody sacrificed like you, what kind of church would we have? I come tonight to tell you we need to get back to the point. Oh, God doesn't have to force us. He can force us back there to where we have nothing else and nowhere else to turn to, but he doesn't have to. If you and I will make up our mind, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship as if this is my only hope. I'll do it again, God. Our attitude toward prayer, worship, and revival is the expression that reveals to God and to others what is going on in our heart. We used to sing a song around here, Let Our Worship Tell You. Remember that song? Our worship, our prayer, our expression, our desperation not only speaks to God, but it speaks to everybody around us. We are either by our expression, by our desperation, we are either moving the church toward God or we are hindering the move of God. 
Oh, I'm not hindering anybody, Pastor. I'm here. I'm glad you're here. God bless you. But you want to know what really helps revival? It's when you do more than just show up, but you engage. Well, God knows my heart. Let your neighbor know your heart by the expression on your face and your attitude and your worship and your, in your prayer life and your response to what God is wanting to do. Our attitude toward revival reveals what's going on on the inside. We must show signs that we are desperate for revival if we really want God to move like he has in times before. Can I ask you tonight, how long has it been since you have prayed until you were lost in the spirit and weren't watching a clock and weren't looking at the time but you prayed until you got lost in the Spirit. How long has it been since you fasted until this world became strangely dim? How long has it been since you prayed until you spoke with tongues afresh and anew? Not with just vain repetition, but that you prayed until you had a breakthrough and you knew that you had touched heaven and heaven had touched earth. How long has it been since you fasted until fleshly desires were overtaken by spiritual gains? How long has it been since you have prayed until you had a personal Gethsemane? How long has it been since you have fasted until the cross took on a brand new meaning? This is why I come to this pulpit tonight and tell this church that we need revival. We need revival. We need God to do it again. Afresh and anew. Won't be much longer. Samson did many great exploits, but after every victory, Samson would end up in failure. Great victory, great failure, because in all of his doings, in all of his accomplishments, Samson never built an altar. At his death, we find that at that point, with his eyes poked out, grinding in the mill, being mocked, sport, At the point of his death. Then Samson prayed. And his prayer. Reflects back on all the times. 
that God moved upon him. And he rose and in his anger breaks the gates and the pillars of the city. Or he takes a dry bone and goes after the thousands. He remembers what it was like. Now it's only a figma of imagination and a thought in his mind because his eyes are plucked out and he stands feeling the pillars of the house. And then the Bible said, in the last moments before his death, then Samson prayed and his prayer God hey God it's Samson the body man the one that's seen miracles and signs and wonders the one that failed you the one that ended up defeated. It's me down here in the dungeon. Under the house, grinding at the mill. But hey God, would you grant me this one request that at the last very end of my life would you do it one more time. And the Bible said that there were more slain at his death than in all the exploits of his life. What a sad story. Because you and I live in a point the blessings of God so rich and so pure with so many opportunities to be a witness with so many opportunities to pray, to fast, to seek God, to do His will to be about His work and yet we rely on the flesh and we want to have revival built around human reasoning your pastor has walked to this pulpit and shared my soul with you tonight we need one more time. We need God to touch us afresh and anew. I believe God is looking for a church and He's asking, How bad do you want a fresh touch? I believe we are on the verge of a breakout like we've never witnessed before in these end times. I don't want any one of us to be left behind. But I want to see every one of us right in the center of what God is wanting to do. I'm reaching for some folks tonight that's been walking on the edge I'm not preaching against sin in your life. I'm, I'm not preaching against 
any great things. It's just we rely on human reasoning, human resources, our own thinking. We rely on talent and giftings. But tonight, I've come to remind you that what God wants to do, He wants to take you back to the point of beginning, back to your first love, back to where nothing else mattered in this world, but that heaven reached down and touched your life. Where we didn't walk in the doors on Sunday night wondering how long the pastor was going to preach, but we walked in and there was one thing that we were worried about, and that is that God reaches down and baptizes this place with His glory. Stand with me tonight all over this room, if you would. These altars are open at this moment. I do believe the blessings of God are about to overtake this church, and I'm calling you. Don't be left out of what God is wanting to do. You may be the key that unlocks the door of revival for somebody else. It may be your prayer that breaks open the wounded and hurt family. It may be your worship that sets the captive on the other side of the church free. Come on, ask God to do it again afresh and anew. Restore unto me the joy of the Lord. Let me burn with fresh passion and fresh fire and fresh anointing. Oh, let's just, everybody find a place to pray. If you can kneel, kneel. If you need to be seated, sit where you are. If you want to come forward and stand, whatever you feel to do tonight. But everybody ought to respond in some way. Let our expression of response Speak to heaven tonight. Our hearts cry, do it again, God. Take me back to that place. Restore, refresh, renew. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost tonight. Oh, let's seek Him. He's not looking for a response just to move them, remove the conviction. He's looking for a pure heart. Pour it out to him tonight. Here I am. 